0: This is Lyle Blackburn and you're listening to the Cryptid Creatures Podcast with Brian and Todd. We were canoeing probably around midnight when we heard this really creepy howl come out of the woods about 100 yards away. stands up on the back of your neck, and it's just like straight up, I don't know what this is, and it sounds big, and it sounds like a very large animal. So I kind of look, and then I see again this kind of movement, and right after that, about 15 yards beyond that, I see this big red something.
1: this is the cryptid Creatures podcast i am brian and with me as always is my co-host todd what's going on my friend
2: what's happening brian you know we got a great show tonight and a great guest coming on
1: yeah i'm excited about this one
2: we are bringing on lyle blackburn that's right
1: the one and only
2: a huge name in the bigfoot cryptid world he's done a ton of documentaries written a lot of books been on a lot of documentaries interviews etc if, if you're in the bigfoot community the cryptid world you got to know lyle blackburn is
1: yeah i would say he is probably the expert on uh, the Falk monster
2: and yeah. the legend of boggy creek as well yep. it's the same kind of mm-hmm. thing so yeah yeah yep. i'm really interested to get him on and hear all of his thoughts and see what he's got to say so let's do this let's bring him on yep let's get him what's up what's up lyle? hey man how's it going well, Lyle, thanks for coming on and talking to us, man. It's a pleasure to have you on here.
0: Absolutely.
1: That yeah, is. Yeah, we got to talk at the uh, Michigan Bigfoot Conference. That was for a little bit, anyway. You were kind of busy, but.
2: Yeah, just a right. little bit.
0: That happens. But yeah, it's always cool. I mean, that's the good thing about those conferences. You know, you can get out, I can meet you guys, you know, in real life, and then it makes for better, uh, you know podcast shows and feature discussions.
2: Yep. Well, I Absolutely. You, you've been on a lot of things. You're a writer, uh, a musician. You, you've done some films and documentaries. You've, you've done a lot of stuff, um, particularly maybe all, all kind of um, revolving around the cryptid world, so to speak. What got you started in this whole thing? Was it when you were little? Uh, what was it that got Lyle going into this, where he's at today?
0: Um, you know, really as far back as I can remember, I loved monsters and, you know, that started really with movie monsters and, you know, seeing Frankenstein or something, looking at famous monsters magazine, I was just, I loved everything, uh, had to do with monsters. And then about when I was in about third grade, I got a book called strange, but true, and it had stories of Bigfoot yeti and the Loch Ness monster as well as some other weird stuff. And that was really the first time I'd ever heard of Bigfoot, you know, and I'm like, whoa, this sounds like some, basically a monster. You you know, you could see in the, you could actually see in real life and Loch Ness Monster and all that. So it just really, I just really captured my imagination. And then um, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, and I've lived in the Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas area all my life. And, you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't know any cryptid cases that were close to me. It was all, you know, Scotland and the Yeti was in the Himalayas and even Bigfoot was, um, you know, up in Pacific Northwest. All of it was very far from where I lived until I my parents, whether mistakenly or or uh, good fortune, took me to the drive in to see the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek in the 70s when I was a kid. And that I really did it because that dramatized sightings of a Sasquatch-like creature in southern Arkansas about three hours from where I lived. And so, boom, and this was like a scary horror movie meets Bigfoot. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. like everything. And I was just obsessed with that movie the rest of my life, though for many years I never saw it because, um, you know, until it came out on VHS or something. Uh, and, And ever since then, I've just been fascinated with the subject.
1: cool Cool. awesome so what came first there, music or or the uh cryptozoology
2: well
0: i guess the music as far as any sort of you know professional pursuit because i started i started playing in a band when i was in seventh grade and um and you know by the time i was uh even in 10th 11th grade i was playing in actual clubs in dallas opening for what has become a lot of big hardcore bands um that are still famous today but um and and just went on from there to play music but i was always i liked writing and of course i liked monsters and all that and cryptid it was all just sort of one thing and um so mostly been a musician but wrote for various magazines and other things until, and that's kind of what led to me writing the book, the beast of Boggy Creek about the legend of Boggy Creek history, because once i wanted to sort of pursue the book thing more taking a break from the music, then I was like, well, that's the subject. And that's what really kind of my own interest in that kind of launched me into a bigger uh, arena for this.
2: So for the, for the listeners, your band's name is ghoul town. And I was actually uh, rocking out to some of you guys today while I was mowing the yard before we got started here tonight. Um, I really like that that stuff that you guys have and what you put together there with that band. How old were you? You, you play guitar, right?
0: Yeah, I play guitar, and I'm the
2: vocalist. Um, how long have you been playing guitar?
0: Uh, let's see. I remember begging my parents for a guitar when I was about starting in fifth grade. I was a huge fan of Kiss, and, you know, I was like, oh, man, need a guitar. And uh, nah. it looks like the way to get the, the babes,
1: you know. Todd's like a uh, guitar player, too. That's why he's
2: asking. Yeah, I play a right. lot of it. Nothing like you guys, but yeah. Yeah, so um, it wasn't
0: really, you know, actually, then I started on drums. Um, my first bands, I played drums because that's the only thing I could convince my parents to do by tricking <laughs> them into – letting me try out for the marching band where really i just only wanted drums and that was it just because that was closer to band instruments and then once i played the drums got into bands and then slowly but surely started picking up guitar from the guitarists and went on to play bass and then eventually got a guitar when i was a senior in high school and just kind of progressed from through all the instruments which actually helped me in a lot of ways as a musician is i can play everything and and uh, oh, yeah. but really I wanted to be the, kind of the front man or the guitarist, so that's where I ended up.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's, I told you at the show. That's how I know you. I, mean, I saw you on the, I saw you on a couple of documentaries. But mm-hmm. the first time I saw you, I was like, "Yeah, hey, I know that guy. What's he doing on there?" <laughs> it, it's then, kind
0: of, it's kind of a funny thing like that because some people know me from the band. And some of the people that are fans of the band have no idea that I do any of this or vice versa, but it's kind of been a good cross promotion because oh, yeah. we're on a cryptid show talking about ghoul town. So I think it's exposed the band to a lot of people that probably just never really would have, you know, not necessarily down rocking out at dive bars and clubs and, and rock shows, you know?
2: Right. So how long has uh, ghoul town been together?
0: man it's been a long time uh pretty much formed in 1999 so that's getting on up there of
1: yeah it's been a while
0: over 20 years and uh you know, a lot of that time wasn't just steady you know we, we we would you know kind of took took a break when I started writing the books and or at least scaled back on the touring and so we only do an album every once in a while now and I'd already been in bands that toured a lot before that so I just kind of was... While it's a, you know, I do it's professional and I make money playing music, but it's I was able to scale it back to do it more in a fun way instead of just let's keep touring and doing all this stuff, you know. Right. Cool.
2: You guys have you guys have like nine albums out there, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think that's roughly the count, uh, which is
2: and you've you know,
0: spans over that long period of time, so it's only one every couple of years.
2: Yeah, it's right. still a lot. It's an that's accomplishment. Still, yeah, that's still pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's it, it does well. I mean, you know, some of our better, well-known videos, you know, have 20 millions of hits and things. And that, that's really helped, obviously, the exposure, mm-hmm. the longevity of the band.
2: Yeah, I got to check out some videos. I didn't think about that. Go on YouTube and check you guys out, probably.
1: All right. All right so I got I to gotta ask. Um, you did uh, an unexplained episode. Yeah did did you get to meet, Shatner?
0: No, I didn't. He he wasn't around. We actually that was I I was filmed actually at my house where mm. um they were going to fly me to L.A. to do it and uh, but then when I did the Skype sort of interview with the producer they saw what was my old office which is just filled with monsters and cryptids and like oh man we got to come film there so. <laughs> Shatner didn't really want to fly out to Texas, right? uh, No, but he he just shoots the he just shoots the wraparounds anyway, so he's really not intermingling. You know, he he shoots all that at one time, and then that's just edited in with you know on location and wherever they do the interviews, and uh, sometimes he'll mention one of the researchers' names. I haven't actually seen the episodes. So I don't even know if he says my name, but that's about as close as you're going to get to <laughs> right. interaction yeah. with him.
2: Well, I didn't know this either, but you were on uh, Finding Bigfoot. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I was on there on two episodes, um, probably like season four and six or something like that. Uh, yeah, so that was and that was helpful. You know, when I had my Beast of Oggy Creek book out, which came out in 2012 um that's about the time finding bigfoot was starting up and i'm i met the guys in fact matt bobo and cliff were at my book release party in dallas by cool. Just cool. some luck at a layover in dallas and my friend craig Woolheater brought him up there well so that was cool and i met them so when they wanted to do a legend of boggy creek episode it was like you know we gotta get lyle and gotta 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 you yeah and that really helped, obviously, to kind of bring some awareness to the Boggy Creek case, obviously, and bring some people to know that I had researched this for years and, and written the book.
2: Yeah, I'd probably seen you on there, actually, and just forgotten, to be honest with you. But you've been on a lot of, a lot of things, Monsters and Mysteries in America. Um,
1: yeah, you even had your own, The Blackburn Files.
0: Yeah, tell us about that.
1: What, what was yeah,
0: that? that was that was kind of a weird thing because I started doing that show. I think I did that an episode of Monsters and Mysteries in America, their first season. I did that right before Finding Bigfoot. That was the first show I was on, and they did a Boggy Creek thing. And uh, then I was on some other episodes, and they liked me a lot. And they were by the third season, they were thinking about changing the format to have like an on-screen host. And they they were talking to me about doing that. So they shot a special episode where, you know, I'm sort of like like Unsolved Mysteries where or, or like, you know, uh, Shatner on unexplained, where I'll kind of put the pieces together. Cool. And we shot an episode like that, um, which was kind of s- hard in a way, because I'm not a, I mean, I'm not trained in television or, or acting or anything, you know, and there's like, there's all these people and here's this, you're supposed to say this stuff and walk here and walk, you know, it's like, man, this is hit mark. Yeah. It was, it was hard. And so we did the episode and it was cool and everything. So then it was like, you know, then it just becomes like a, a debate between the production company who was trying to say, here's a, a good, Um, there's a host, here's a cool idea for this new format we want to go with. And then somewhere up the network chain, you know, somebody, you know, rejected the idea or didn't like the hat or or just decided they didn't want to bother with it or whatever else. So it was just the one episode, but they did call it Blackburn Files. I was like, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't capitalize on that and use it as a podcast or something. That would have been awesome. I mean, your podcast now is good. Don't get me wrong. but
0: Right. Yeah. I kind of thought about that. Uh, you know, whatever. That but would been, that
2: would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your podcast, uh, it is called Monstro Bizarro. Monstro Bizarro. Uh, Monstro Bizarro. I haven't listened to any episodes yet, but I'm definitely going to check I it did. out. I did. I did. It's good.
0: Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, people have been asking me about that for years. I mean, and I've I've narrated a lot of the Small Town Monsters documentary movies and Mm -hmm. voice-wise, you you got to do a podcast, but it's like, man, I'm so busy, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a band and I'm writing books and television shows. Finally, I thought, you know, I just try to get in that space, but do something different. You know, there's there's a lot of shows like yours where there's interviews and stuff. I'm like, what can I do different so I'm not just popping in there and, let's let's do the same thing. So it's just pretty much me as a monologue with some soundscape and uh, effects and me sort of telling the story. And then there's some reenactments and stuff. So it's a little bit like a listening to a documentary audio only, you know, you listen to it in your car. You don't have to watch it. Mm. That was kind of the thought process behind it.
2: Yeah, it was good. I like the way you put it together. Thank you. Yeah. You've narrated a lot of stuff too. Uh, when you, uh, as far as your, your speaking voice, you have an awesome speaking voice as far as doing some of those narratives and, and whatnot, and uh, I've heard you do a couple of different things here and there. Um, you also go to a lot of conventions and do a lot of speaking there. Um, how many are you go into, like, a year?
0: Well, I'll probably do about uh, a dozen or 15 appearances now. Um, it's a lot. I remember you know, 12 years ago or whatever. It was like, I was, I would look for anything that was happening, a few Bigfoot conferences and other things. Now it's just to the point where oh, there's yeah. a lot of cryptid paranormal Bigfoot conferences. I speak at libraries and, and stuff. I was
1: gonna your schedule. It's lucky we got you on when we did, because it looks like you're booked uh, up the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is. And that, what you see there is really not everything that's, you know, that's just the events. So it's, wow. it's, Very hectic,
2: man. Yeah, is that just that's just one year full of stuff? Jeez. (laughs) What's your favorite place to go? Uh, I know you've been you've been overseas with your band, I guess you had told us. Uh, But as far as the conventions go, what's your favorite one to go to, or or favorite place to go for these?
0: Hmm. There's there's nowadays are quite a few good ones. Really, Um, I've always loved the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. That's really kind of to me the pinnacle of 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 the the approach of the professionalism the speakers as well as the setting and sort of the fun atmosphere of it because it's it's at the salt forks uh, state park which is oh yeah it's a place where there are bigfoot sightings and it's at this big lodge and there's fireplaces and there's um there's a bar downstairs and, you know, you could kind of hang out and visit with people as well as, you know, go see the lectures and stuff and there's vendors always just really love that COVID kind of gave it a hiccup, like with everything, you everything, know, yeah. um, but it's, it's getting back. And, and so that one's always been great. The Mothman festival was super fun, uh, more of a street festival, but, you know, centered around this, well more than a cryptid case you know mothman is just sort of beyond Mm -hmm. um so uh that one's super fun you know it's a good atmosphere and uh you know everybody's hanging out from you know colleagues and researchers to just people who love this kind of stuff and you know, uh, right. yeah, I, I see it that one. I see a lot of crossover too because there's some guys in some bands that I know that we've toured with and stuff, and they'll come out to the Moth, Mothman Festival and they're like, they know me from Ghoul Town, and <laughs> you know, but we're all fans of the Mothman. Oh, yeah, uh, so so that that's a really good one. So, uh, you know, we have a Texas Bigfoot conference here and a Fout Monster Festival, so there's just so many, and, and all of them are. To me, great places just like i was saying we i got to hang out with you guys and talk and yeah. you know you you get people that will nay say the conferences oh you know this is you know they're just in it for money or they're just you know i'm in the field it's like well i go in the field too but i also network with people and that's important to share ideas and i mean i
1: yeah.
0: i've gotten a lot of um citing reports and where i can meet people in person and then to document things and man without those conferences of people of like-minded like-minded people getting together you know that that really to me is where it really is online or facebook whatever but i mean no no you know like scientific um pursuits and and other things they have they have get-togethers and conventions and and learning it's like that
1: yeah trading ideas and uh, stories and and yeah networking
0: right that's important
1: that that's very important especially in this field
0: yeah it is and so i when i see people commenting that it's just so you know money which is a Mm -hmm. joke i mean it's just uh that's not the purpose of those and it's also it keeps, it keeps you enthusiastic too when you meet people who are like-minded you know because this can be a lonely pursuit if you're just out in the I'm wood
1: kidding.
0: bigfoot Bigfoot may or may not ever show up so if if you can share with other people you know you can learn you know, get introduced to some other gear or something you i, some techniques or something, yeah. Yeah, I think they're good they're cool things yeah
2: Yeah, we we enjoyed the Michigan Bigfoot Conference. We try to get to as many as we can. Um, unfortunately not. Yeah, we wanted to get to that
1: Ohio one, man, but we missed that one this year. So hopefully next year we can get to that one.
2: Yeah, we gotta be more proactive about it. But yeah, we we meet a lot of people just like you said. And no one goes there making a walking away with a a fistful of money, you know, saying, Oh, I just made thousands of dollars being at this conference, you know. I mean these guys are there to have fun. We're there to have fun, set up our table, maybe sell a shirt or two, what have you, get people interested in our podcast, start listening, yep, meet uh, people. people, um, listen to you guys mm-hmm. talk and, and hopefully meet you guys, which we did, which was really cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're very beneficial, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. You ever make it down yeah. to uh, Crypticon? You ever go down to Crypticon? Uh, was that the
0: first Crypticon? Um, they're on, what, about number five now? Are they? Um,
2: um, I think so. Yeah.
0: Something like that. Yeah, I was at the f- mm. very first inaugural one, which I enjoyed that event. Yeah, we
2: mm-hmm. were there last year for the first time. Uh, it was it was a lot of people there. Definitely, we're going to yeah, definitely I, get back need, this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I need to get get back to that one maybe next year.
1: So, is there any is there any location you you want to go to you haven't been yet that you want to go to for a cryptid hunt of some kind?
0: Um yeah, I'd like to do do more in the Pacific Northwest. Um you know, that's kind of the the traditional home of Bigfoot. I have been up I've been up there in those states, you know, quite a bit, but not a lot of extended exploration of the, the forest. But you know, it's it's one of those things where there's just always so much going on. There's a lot going on in the south, which I kind of specialize in, so then it becomes just sort of a time management problem of Mm -hmm. you know well to get up there but that's really something i want to to do and and uh carve away some time where i can just go out there and just enjoy the nature as well as more more of the some of the traditional locations where where the early bigfoot stories came from
2: right yeah it's hard to get out you know we talk about Ah, oh, we got to get out and check this place out. We got to go check this place out. Just so much, you know, going on with everybody. It's hard to get out and set up time, especially if you're going to go with other people to get out and do these excursions. You know, um, Brian and I live really close to Michigan. We're just south of the border there in Indiana, and we have Michigan all to ourselves to go up and, you know, uh, squatch around all day. But we just haven't quite made it up there yet to do it. You know, just so much going on, so it's tough to get out. We will. Oh yeah, we will.
0: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's not like you know somebody's paying yeah. for, for some for researchers to go out in the field. You have to do it on your own dime and your own mm-hmm. time. And, you know, there's a balance of of all that. It, you know, if I if I was independently wealthy, it'd be all different. Oh, yeah,
1: to, it'd be great. Even
0: though I don't, I don't have a traditional job, but to make a living as a musician of a horror. A horror rock band and a and writing books that are very narrowly focused on cryptid cases and, and things like that. It's man, it's you know, it's tough.
2: Sounds awesome yeah. to me. I know <laughs> it is.
0: sounds awesome. <laughs> <awesome>. pretty awesome. <laughs> but the yeah, trade be tough. You know, I can imagine. The trade is you you don't always have the you know. I mean. Over, you know, over the last twenty years, if you ask me if I took a vacation, it's been amount to a few days, maybe. There is no such thing. Although it is all the giant vacation, because anywhere I go, well, I'm in Michigan. I'm gonna, you know, a lot of times you can go off and do stuff and enjoy and right. work, work it into something else or or whatever. But it's you just don't have the luxury of time just to do whatever you want.
1: No. Not with your schedule.
0: (laughs) All right. Luckily, I enjoy it, so it's like it's cool. Like I've got to go up. You know, the next thing I got to drive to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and back for the Mothman Festival, which is a four-day thing. It takes it's a it's a it's a seventeen-eight or eighteen-hour drive one way, and then that's a flip. It's a lot, and then I so I get back from that on a you know leave on a Thursday, get back on a Monday, Friday I got to fly to Virginia to do another conference that's starting up there. So that's a yeah, just all that just right there, and keeping up with your actual life and stuff in between is
1: and sleeping at some point. I'm yeah. guessing.
0: <laughs> I don't think the Mothman ever slept because when you go to his conference. There's no
1: sleep. No <laughs> you never know when he's going to show up.
0: Yeah. If, if the Mothman does not close his red eyes, neither do you. That's
2: right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually, We. that's funny that we brought that up. I was actually talking to a guy at work today about the Mothman. He'd never really heard about it. Uh, he was talking about driving to North Carolina and um, how he was going through that area I said oh you must go through Point Pleasant and he's like yeah I do what's up with Point Pleasant I'm like well it's Mothman and I, I actually went on Google Maps and I showed him the statue where the statue is and all that stuff you know And he's like oh no kidding well and then I told him about the movie The Mothman Prophecy so you got to watch that movie you know and check it out and I should have mentioned you and your your documentaries as well to him but I will I'll see him all again and I'll, I'll tell him to make sure to check yours out too but is that mm-hmm. is that conference like outdoor kind of thing indoor outdoor right downtown there in Point
0: yeah, yeah. It's more of an outdoor festival because it takes over the street, the kind of the the main old street there in Point Pleasant, and which is uh, parallel to the Ohio River. So um, you're right there. If you kind of there's a big wall. If you go down right on the riverfront, there's bands playing down there, oh, and there's cool. food trucks. And then up and down those streets, you have all of these people selling really cool Mothman related stuff, encrypted stuff, Bigfoot stuff. And then there's a state theater, like an old school, just, you know, theater up there where, um, the lectures go all day. So you can walk up there and see me and whomever, uh, do some, some stuff like that. And we show, um, a lot of the small town monsters movies, um, play on like Friday night. Um, this year they're debuting a new one about the Jersey devil and they're going to run the Mothman legacy mm-hmm. first, which is one that I narrated. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of got everything and it's just all on the streets and there's food and people and fun.
2: Man, it's cool. Sounds, yeah, it sounds like fun. We're going to have to do that one of these years. What, what time of year is that thing? Is that festival?
0: Uh, that is coming up uh, September the I think 17th or 17th. 17th 18th yeah
2: okay coming up yeah we're gonna try to get in a slot for for a table next year um
1: yeah they were sold out already because of last year being canceled they were
0: yeah uh, so it could be uh man it could be crazy this year because everybody's really Mm -hmm. wanting to get back and that's one where i mean i don't know the total head count but i want to say it's like 10 or twelve thousand people come
1: holy smokes on the
0: weekend. It's it's a lot of people. I mean, it's and it's grown. It used to be sort of one street that had some vendors. Now it's just down. I mean, it's a walk. You know, takes over
1: the takes over the town.
0: Yeah, so it's increased in popularity. And and my buddy Jeff Wamsley that does the uh, Mothman Museum there. It's just a fantastic tribute to the Mothman and a way to learn about the history. And uh, he's always been, you know, the spearheading all this sort of. Um, pres- preserving the Mothman story, and, and that's this. This conference is his, uh, you know, what he's developed, and it just turned into this huge thing.
1: That's cool. Cool. Um, so you, uh, go ahead, man. You, you do a lot with uh, the Falk Monster. You did because you wrote the book, and obviously, you're, an ex- you're the expert on it. Have you had an encounter? Have you?
2: Can anything
1: happen out there while you've been out looking?
0: Yeah, there's been a f- several incidents that, that have happened over the years. And, uh, you know, since that was my first book and my my sort of I just love The Legend of Boggy Creek, even after I wrote the book, I felt it was sort of, you know, people don't realize they're sort of ongoing encounters. So it was something that I felt like, well, I need to continue to log these and, you know, written subsequent books. But, um yeah you know the say the one of the scariest things that happened was um, several years ago myself and my late research partner tom shirley were out uh, camping in this area called mercer bayou and that's sort of the most swampiest area um, in the network of of waterways that has boggy creek and uh, we were canoeing probably it was around midnight when we heard this really creepy howl come out of the woods about a hundred yards away maybe. And uh, when you're canoeing, you know we, we don't have lights on or nothing. We're just canoeing up this bayou in the dark. There's you can, you know, you can see the eyes of the alligators in the moonlight. You can hear there's a lot of frogs and the insects and just ambient noise. So you know when we heard this we kind of had to stop and try to get silent so we could focus and they're like "Man, was that like the was that like the weirdest coyote or he's like i don't think that was a coyote man so then it howled again about maybe 45 seconds later and of course now we're focused in and i'm like you know the hair stands up on the back of your neck and it's just like mm-hmm. straight up i don't know what this is and it sounds big and it sounds like a very large animal howling not like you know canids are yippy and howly, and you can kind of discern a dog this was not not a canid it was not a bear or others you know foxes make weird noises cougars make screamings and stuff but it was none of those in fact it sounded more like some of the traditional suspected sasquatch vocalizations from the south well, then it did it again about 45 seconds later. And, you know, now we're just like, whoa, dude, you know, and then you realize you're out in the middle of nowhere There's an alligator here. And there's like a, the monster possibly is howling over there in the woods. Got kind of creepy. And uh, yeah. so we waited, you know, to to see if anything else would happen or if we heard something and it, we didn't hear anything else. So, we had been canoeing around for a while and so we decided we better start turning around and going back. So we did, and we were kind of talking and, you know, you know, you, you're making noise when you're going. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we go, we go back down and kind of snake around and get back down to where our camp was, which was on really only the, the only high ground in this area. Cause you want to, you know, you got to pull out on some high ground cause like I said, there's gators and there's hogs and all kinds of stuff. And no sooner did we pull that canoe out, of the channel there and, and got up on that hill where our tent was we we all of a sudden we hear this howl again but this time it was right there just on the other side of the channel where we had just gotten out of the water and uh i just remember kind of you, you know we weren't prepared and you know again you just sort of like the adrenaline kicks in and i just sort of grabbed a light and ran down that hill to see if i could see it i just thought what the hell i don't know that's that was my reaction and tom's kind of trying to get a get the audio going or something and and so i ran down there and whatever it was just darted off into the woods stopped and then howled again before moving really far i mean this thing was moving quick and then howled again 100 yards off and it just went silent so i, I was never able to see it um then A little over a year ago, I was back in that same area, and we were—I was there with uh, my fellow researcher Jerry Hestand and my girlfriend Ashley, who goes with us on a lot of these things. And we were en route to go interview this woman who had gotten a really good howl, and she was kind of south of this location. So we stopped off at this area where the where that was really literally where i'd put the boat in where we heard the howl before this was about 4 p.m during the day just total daylight and i was looking at these two trees that are old cypress trees talking to jerry because jerry had been on the monster quest episode called swamp stalker years ago that talked about the Boggy creek monster and what i was saying something about it and something caught my eye in the distance it was like a kind of like a shadowy movement, but I couldn't tell if maybe the, the, the breeze was moving the, the, uh, foliage and the location where this is, you have, there's, there's water for, you know, it's, it's a little deep channel and then it's just flat land beyond that. There's no property, no people own it. It's all wildlife management. There's no trails, no hunting camps, nothing out there. And, uh, so I kind of look and then I see again, this kind of movement and I'm trying to figure out if it's a play of shadows or if it's something big walking And right after that, about 15 yards beyond that, I see this big red something or another just move across that clearing. And not like a thing close to the ground. This thing was tall, whatever it was, but it was very reddish, hmm. which was odd. But that's the reason it stood out so much. And I was like, well, I just saw this and neither of them saw it. You know, that's just the way those things go. Of course. Well, I I just couldn't figure out what it was. And again, I knew this was a place where there's no people, there's no vehicles, there's no four wheelers. Obviously, there's no sound anyway. But the thing was, is we had just been up at the Monster Mart store in Falk right before we came down there. And a local had told me he saw the creature run across the road right in front of his car about a few days prior. And he said it looked to me like an orangutan looking thing. He said it was very red. Wow. Right. Red, red. Orange red. So I don't I can't say for sure what I saw down there, but it was something very unusual and definitely was not I don't know. I'd say it could be the creature and people have described them as being reddish in color. There's a lot of variation, black, brown, reddish. And that's not the first time I've heard somebody say it was a orangutan looking thing. That even dates back to the early 1970s, uh, descriptions where people thought it was a circus train or it was an orangutan. With some the theories. But anyway, that's what I saw. And it was, of course it was creepy and exciting and, uh, just a split yeah. split second, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it couldn't have been a bear, you know. I mean, bears aren't really red. I mean, what else right. would it have been? And, yeah, we've heard that, too. We've heard that a lot of times where uh, these things are red in color, all different all different shades from red mm-hmm. to white, even. We've heard of the white ones. I'm sure you have, too.
0: Right, yeah. Well, you know, and in, in your – when you – Envision a Bigfoot sighting. You don't usually envision the red one or whatever. You know, you're thinking a very classic. Or I'm thinking that monster is going to be super scary and it's going to growl at us and come at us or whatever, or try to flip over our canoe. Right. Which it, it might have done that night when we were out there when it was trying to when it I presumably followed us through the woods while we were canoeing. But but yeah, it's like it's it just seems so not typical or something. But But, yeah, it could very well have been a red, one of these creatures, and its hair Mm -hmm. was red, just like humans have variation in hair color. So could these very well.
2: Yeah, I think there's different types of them for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Speaking of the Falk monster, Lyle, something that's always kind of confused me was, didn't they find prints that were like three-toed down there of this creature?
0: Yes, Um, and, and that was something that was the, the the tracks in the original i'll say the original but the first incident that got publicized in the newspaper in the Texarkana gazette happened in may of 1971 and there was a sort of interaction with the creature and they saw it and shot at it but the game ward mentioned that he saw what looked like three-toed tracks well, then in, on June 13th, 1971, not a, you know, a f- short time later, they found a line of uh, track, mysterious tracks through a freshly plowed soybean field, right, right where Boggy Creek runs through south of Alc. And uh, they were about 14 and a half inches long, kind of narrow, and had three toes. So, kind of a tri- traditional Bigfoot track, except with three toes, which uh-huh. um, obviously is difficult to explain or get your mind around what, what you know what would be the purpose of three toes and mm-hmm. uh, in the anatomy, because all you know primates, humans, we all have five toes, and it makes more sense for balance, and especially something that's big and large, you need those toes for balance, um, and then. But there were other foot. Uh, there were other tracks found. Some four-toed, and in recent times, there's been some that are five-toed. Um, we found some that are one that looked like a three-toed track. Um, so it, it kind of varies. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's always been something that's associated with this creature that it has three toes.
2: Do you think it was? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's? Could it be something like um, maybe? like inbreeding in these creatures? Do you think it was left by a Bigfoot creature? We've heard of these, uh, what do they call them, Um, devil monkeys? Uh, uh, I don't know what that really is. It's a hybrid type of Bigfoot. I don't know. Could it be that? Um, What's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, you know, I mean, there's, there's various explanations. I mean, ranging from the inbreeding, which can affect digits on fingers and, you know, your toes, um, you know, it could could conceivably be an injury. I mean, if you're walking barefoot down there in this, this rugged area, I mean, I couldn't, Lord, I couldn't make it five minutes, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, it could be that, um, although the foot didn't look injured, so that was one thing, it did look fairly uniform and, you know, mm. so that would either be inbreeding and, of course, you know, I've never I've never been 100% convinced that that set of tracks was legit. I mean, there could have been some hoaxing involved in that. And I've seen that before in the Lizardman case of South Carolina, where a lot of times you have a frenzy of sightings and you have stuff making making it into the newspaper. You can have other people trying to add to it or get in the paper. And then usually footprints is where they're going to try to, oh, let's make monster footprints. So... We, we may not take that as gospel 100% to say that, well, it's a three-toed monster. Because, again, there's been other more plausible footprints found that have five toes that look a little more like traditional Bigfoot tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but impossible to say without me personally having seen them, although I, need, I know people and I've interviewed several people that were there that day in 1971 that have – they have various varied opinions one guy, it's like man this this was legit there was not there's no way somebody could have made that pokes twice and then you know you got another guy who said well they didn't step on the plants very much so it seemed like they were avoiding the plants so that you know it's hard to say
1: yeah
2: well we know you've been on tons of things tv shows documentaries podcast, you've been interviewed by a lot of people uh, and interviewed a lot of times, but you've also interviewed yourself a lot of people and talked to a lot of people about encounters and everything. Can you recall what the craziest encounter, what maybe the craziest cryptid that you ever heard of uh, speaking with these people that you interviewed?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you get... From time to time, you just get some really weird ones, you know. Um, some of the weirdest ones were, there's two of them that describe like a bipedal horse, basically. A horse that was upright, running on two legs. Uh, one of those was in Texas and one of them from Arkansas. Um, I don't remember how, what time period, but this was, was at least, you know, a decade or fifteen years ago, that was weird. I'm like a bipedal horse. What in the heck, you know, <laughs> it possibly be? And, and one of the witnesses I remember was very credible, and he saw it at night in the headlights in Texas. The other guy eh, wasn't convinced that he was giving me a good description. Um, I remember one one gave me sort of a mothman flying humanoid type report of which the thing <laughs> was seen coming out of the air and it went into this small pond. Like, and he stood there for some period of time. And the thing was just, he's just like, what, well, what the hell, you know? And he said, it, you know, several minutes later, all of a sudden the thing shoots straight back up out of the pond and then flies off. I just thought it was odd being a flying creature that also could go underwater and would go underwater and get its wings wet and then fly up straight up, mm-hmm. fly up diagonally or whatever, straight up like mm-hmm. an angel. <laughs> that was kind of weird. And, you know, there's been others even weirder, just like, uh, sort of like this semi-transparent looking, kind of a shape looking thing. I want to say like a triangular shape or something like this semi transparent thing that went across the path while someone was hiking and they ask, you know, have you ever heard of anything like this? And I'm like, no, but I've heard of a strange thing. So, and they also seem very credible, but it was sort of like the predator, you know, that effect in the predator movie. Oh, where yeah. But he saw this. It wasn't like a shimmering shape of a Bigfoot or a human. It was sort of a a bit of a geometric shape, and
1: hmm.
0: I don't know it sounds sort of beyond cryptid. That sounds like scare some scary technology or alien entity. That's I don't like kind of idea. alien, yeah. What the hell that was, um, <laughs> you know? And I've gotten a few like puckwudgie reports of sort of diminutive. Oh like gnomeish creatures um one of these that chased a guy up on a hill and it sounded for its size it sounded kind of scary um and again just felt like this is a pretty credible report even though it's just very unusual and bizarre so yeah there's just those smattering of just ones that don't either don't fit into categories or they're just very rare, you know, whereas, you know, you have a Bigfoot report all the time,
2: you know. Yeah, we're hearing about all these different things, you know, from Bigfoot to Dogman to Goatman or Sheepman or the Wendigo, uh, Jersey Devil, and people are, are claiming to see these things and describe them, you know, over and over and and, and alike like they do the Bigfoot encounters. What's your thoughts on all that, Lyle? I mean, where are these things coming from? What, what, what's going on? If you could give us your opinion on that, what, what are they doing here? What, what are we seeing out there?
0: Yeah, it's it's extremely hard to explain. I mean, I, I think that you know, and I try to be balanced and skeptical. I, I don't, you know, I don't. I want all these things to be real, but not so much that I, you know lose all logic or sense of of what has truly happened. But even that, you know, you can be skeptical about some of these and you you may explain them away or or mistaken identity, but there's still just this core of sightings that involves creatures that seemingly cannot exist. I mean, Dogman... you know, these flying humanoid type things, lizard men. Um, I don't know how to really explain those. I mean, I kind of started it, it, you know, I've always kind of been the monster in the woods kind of guy, the cryptid hunter, you know, um, you know, where I'm, I'm looking at something that's flesh and blood and it's something that It seems improbable, but it's somehow evaded capture or proof, you know, hasn't been run over by a car. At least somebody's found the body. You start getting off into some of these things, though, and it's really hard to explain them that way. So I just say if what people are reporting and what people are seeing is fact or is some physical form to it in some way then I don't know how to explain that you know people talk about portals and all this other stuff I mean you know I, I, I just don't have any explanation other than people do see st- things that we can't explain and we thus far don't have a real solid explanation for how they're getting here where they're coming from and what is their purpose
2: right Yeah, nobody really knows, and, you know, no one can say for sure what's going on. It's all pretty much opinion. Uh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with a question there. Um, But the thing that I I really would like to hope, honestly, that these are government experiments, you know, seeing like the goat man or the dog man, stuff like that. Bigfoot's one thing, but these other things that people are seeing out there, I almost want to hope that they're government experience, because if they're not, then that kind of really worries me, you know? I mean, we're... How many of them aren't there? How long have they been there? Are they expanding? Are they growing? Is that why we're having more sightings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera?
0: Right. And then some of these have increased quite a bit. Dogman, for example, you know, I mean, yeah. 10, years, 10 years ago, well, I I've rarely had any of, of those sort of reports. It was more of a beast of gray Road. Linda Godfrey had some reports. Now it just seems like every time I turn around, somebody saw a dogman. Are people more tuned in or are there more people who are willing to report this or are there more of these creatures and what the hell are they, you know, because they don't fit in biologically to anything that makes much sense. Like, Like we can make sense out of Bigfoot. It's harder to make sense out of some of these others. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if the government's capable of, well, the government can do a lot of things, but they're just—they're the government's so scary as it is that if they're making also making creatures, <laughs> we got a big problem. Yeah, no, we got yeah, we got uh, really more problems. You know, it's it's a scary mm-hmm. world. So I've always kind of looked at my my role in this, especially where I started with Boggy Creek. I'm just documenting the history of the sightings, the um you know the 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 effects it has had on towns and cultures and people uh, spotlighting some of these witnesses and I will offer up some of the theories but I've never really claimed to know have any explanation um, that's better than anyone else's you know right. so I, I'm fascinated with the stories and if you'll read my books a lot of times it's a journey my own we're going along a journey together to where, we're not going to arrive at a solution, but we are going to be fascinated and enthralled that people in modern times are seeing monsters and, mm-hmm. and that this can transform not only a witness, change a, a witness's entire life, but it can also affect towns, culture. I mean, we're living, these are modern, it's modern folklore at the minimum, what we're doing is like, you know, what we're the one storyteller that came around and told stories by the fire. Well, now we have podcasts and documentaries and everything sharing all this stuff that makes people aware that a lot of people see weird stuff. And so, so yeah, I've always just found mm-hmm. it fascinating the stories themselves and uh, the theories therein start to get. Difficult, and and I leave that mostly to others.
2: Right. Yeah. The more we learn, the more confused we get. Honestly. Um, yeah. But you know, you're, it seems. Yeah, you're a real big name in the cryptid world. The the bigfoot community. You know a lot of the other, all the other big names. You've worked with the most of them. A lot of them. Who's your favorite favorite other uh, person to work with in, in the cryptid field? They all are. Yeah. Safe answer.
0: Really, well, in a way, they really are. Uh, I've got a lot of great friends, and and it's been a lot of fun um, with these guys. And you know, I, I can name a a list of it would be a very long list um, of of the people I work with, and I enjoy. Sometimes people don't like this guy or they don't, they got this opinion over I deal in real life. I know these people in person away from television shows and I evaluate that. And I can, I can say that I'm with the exception of a few extreme people who just kind of went, go off the rails or cause um, turmoil. I, I just, any given conference, pretty much the whole entire panel of people usually I'm friends with fans of and interact with and enjoy seeing them uh, anytime I can and share ideas. And, you know, sometimes we only see each other at the conferences. Sometimes, you know, some of the other guys like, like Cliff from finding Bigfoot, you know, he's, he's one of my best buddies and in, in this cryptid pursuit and from being on the show and meeting him way back then, we've been in contact and enjoy seeing each other whenever we can so you build these lasting friendships of people who just enjoy the same thing and, and even people who have different views than mine you know uh, i've got some friends that see things totally different in their opinion but it doesn't matter to me because it's still at the end of the day we're in the same pursuit they have their opinion they respect my opinion and we can get along Whereas you'll see the same kind of situation somewhere else. People are fighting on Facebook, calling names and saying, I'm right or whatever. Nobody no. cares. We, we respect each other and we're both sort of like scholars in a way. It, mm-hmm. uh, Indiana Jones is looking at the, the stuff and going, yeah, it's fascinating. Here's what I think. Well, here's mm-hmm. what I think. And in the end, maybe no one's right or we're both a little bit right. Or, or one or the others. Right. But that's not the point. It's just that we're, we're out there doing it. Right. And, and so I, that is truly, I just enjoy pretty much everyone and get along with everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The few people we've got to meet at these shows are are all pretty cool people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see that. I and mean, then you'll get, I see opinions made on Facebook about people who are on TV. I'm like, well, I know these people in real life and they'll even make comments. If I post a picture, it's like, you don't really know that person. You know, TV is not always not real reality. life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you should always judge a person when you meet them in person rather than presuming or speculating as to what they may be like in real life. Because I found that sometimes people you think will be one way or the opposite. Sometimes you think they're going to be a jerk or whatever, and they're super nice when, when it's just you and, and them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, have you? Uh, you said you're friends with Cliff. You need to get up there to the North American Bigfoot Center. He's got over there in uh, in Washington, mm-hmm. or Oregon. I'm sorry, and, and then you can get out and do some uh, North Pacific Northwest uh, searching, Watch so it. to speak.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's definitely high on the list. And and I was going to be going out there, and then there was sort of the COVID thing, and it mm-hmm. I just put a some on everything. Mm-hmm. In the plan, and then. Them it's just sort of been a game of catch up, and he's been getting his museum really, you know, slowly but surely really ramping it up and stuff. So he carries my my books and my monster sauce and everything else. So he I'm, cool. I've got a presence out there, but I personally need to go there.
2: Yeah, go yeah. I was lucky enough to stop in there. Um, Brian and we'll I do book signing. Yeah, Brian and I uh, work for a company that they have a couple uh, production facilities out there in Oregon, Eastern Oregon. So we get we get a chance to go out there, here and there, and uh, so we take some extra time and try to get out and explore up there. It's it's exactly you know what you think it is with with the whole wilderness and stuff out there, just crazy. Oh, and beautiful. it's beautiful.
1: I love the Pacific Northwest.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember
0: first driving there on band tours, you know, and uh-huh. just you know just. Mm-hmm looking at the coast back when I was in my 20s or something. And, you know, it was, it was great. So anytime I can go out there, I just really enjoy it.
2: All right. Oh, yeah. So well, we won't keep you too much longer, but I have one more question. I don't know if Brian has anything else for you. Yeah, i got one more. Um, you go ahead first. Okay. So what's your favorite cryptid? Let me say this. Besides Bigfoot, Lyle, what is your favorite cryptid?
0: Okay, yeah, that's
2: cause you know, okay.
0: that's the, always the first answer, um right. the derivatives thereof. Uh let's see. I don't know, man, it's uh I would say I guess lizard man lizard, like lizard reptilian mm-hmm. type things, whether they're more humanoid or like a bipedal alligator type thing that's a little more animal than than humanoid that kind of thing just all those sort of like i think in my mind it's sort of like a creature from the black lagoon vibe i like all the sightings of those they're they're more rare than bigfoot but those just i just love that kind of reptilian thing in the swamp creature
2: we actually interviewed a lady back when we got started I think it's like episode 10 or 11 or something like that, who actually saw a lizard man. Yeah, we'd never heard of that before. And yeah, she, she, ran, it she was he ran across the road yeah, um, in front of her house. So we heard that. And then, um, yeah, we've heard we've heard a couple of different people. Well, we actually had another show. We haven't put it out on our regular. We had a couple of them. Mm-hmm. But it's on our members episode on our website uh, where we interviewed two guys who saw some kind of river creature that looked kind of like a guy, a man, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, they're seeing those kind of things out there too, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I have to go back and listen to that one. I'm, I love those. Like I said, there's not as many, but, uh, maybe that's one reason I, they're a little more special. There's some, you know, they're fewer and far between. So. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 She was really, um, interested in trying to figure out what the hell it was, if anyone else had ever yeah, seen was, that thing. And,
1: she was really shook up about that. Was, that was a good one.
2: I'm sure. So. Yeah. so.
1: Mm-hmm. You did a song for uh Alvira. Mm-hmm. back. Did she pick you guys for that or She did. Did, did, you, did she pick you guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh we were uh Town was performing at uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend, which is a horror convention in Texas, and this was when Cassandra was just starting to get back into doing conventions and things, and she, had, she hadn't kind of done them for a bit. This was back in, I'd say, about 2009. And uh, we were playing at a VIP party, and her manager was there and saw us and was blown away. We were just doing kind of an acoustic version. It wasn't a full-on rock show. And uh, the next day, I was... At the town booth, and people like, "Hey, Elvira wants to meet you." So somebody came up. I'm like, "Okay, what is this BS?" And uh, sure enough, here she comes with her manager and 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 uh, her assistant and stuff came comes over to the table and said, you know, started talking, you know, about about town Was interested in checking it out, and then I kind of started talking to her, and she suggested, "Well, maybe you know, you guys should." maybe you could write a song, we can do something together or whatever. I said, like, That'd be no problem. I mean, I'm mean, I was a huge fan, you know. Oh yeah, you know, from earlier and and so um so yeah, I just started working up some demos and worked with her and her manager and, and developed a song to you know, that so they could approve and we went and recorded it and then they liked it and, and we had a mutual friend that was kind of a up-and-coming director he was doing short films and and, uh, music videos um so we ended up going to hollywood and shooting the video uh with her and she was she was amazing super cool you know just
1: i was just gonna ask is she it really as cool as she seems
0: she is yeah she's just amazing just i mean she's not only just an iconic star and a You know everything she is, and a character. She's just a really nice, down-to-earth person that is there working with you, and whatever she's doing is genuine. So that was one of the coolest things we've gotten to do, obviously. And I mean, I, I pretty much knew you were going to ask that before you asked it. But that, that's a you know people want to know, and yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been been About 12 years since that, which is crazy, but uh, because yeah. she still looks exactly the same, so yeah. so
1: yeah, I know. Uh,
0: but I see her at conventions sometimes, we go have dinner or whatever, you awesome. know, and uh, and she's uh, just a Cassandra's a great person, so it's fun
2: times, yeah. She's been doing Elvira for a long time, long time,
0: yeah. I think since what like 1981 or two, that'd or
1: be the early 80s, yeah,
0: something like that. Mm-hmm. 84 some way
1: back yeah way back
2: what what's the name of the song is it on one of your albums or
0: yes yeah, mistress of the dark um we did a special dvd ep release for that it has that song a couple of others and some remixes of that song and this was kind of a special product we did I mean, back, this was more when there was more DVD and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, you can, people can just buy the song or whatever, just has a single off of uh, iTunes and what have you. And there's, you know, the video obviously on YouTube, but um, so.
2: Cool.
0: I guess we need to do like a greatest hits or something. Yeah. I file all this. Heck yeah, you should. Once you have this many albums, people do kind of go. Well, is there like one that I could just get that has like all the stuff? And it's you know, I'm like yeah, I don't. it's kind of you always think greatest hits, like where the band broke up. But in a way, it's like when you start getting that much material, you you you're picking it. If somebody's in, and we get new fans all the time so that come into it, and go. Well, I don't even know where to start. So that probably would be a good. Product, even if it's just digital, is to say here, just get this album. It's got the yeah. what our fans yeah, what yeah. our fans consider the best, and I really just go by what the fans say, not what I in my opinion. It's sort of like
2: <laughs> well, just go on Spotify. You know, you can you can pick and choose what you want there. My favorite song is yeah, under the awesome. under the Phantom Moon so far. That's my favorite one. I like that one.
0: Yeah, that's one of the more popular ones. Probably second to Drink with the Living Dead, which mm-hmm. is kind of the For some odd reason, that's just light years uh, above all others as far as plays and downloads. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: Those are the first two that show up on. Because it's a cool title, yeah.
0: Right, and that's the other thing. Once they got in those algorithms, and that was kind of luck because "Drink of the Living Dead" it just it, it just gets served up constantly on those platforms and so people have it on playlists and listen to it so it just keeps perpetuating its own self even though in my opinion those are good songs but you know there's some on our new album that i think hell these are as good or better i think but some of its algorithms on which ones you're going to get exposed to first spotify will play you the same two over and over and over or there's to me there's yeah i think we have like 99 songs or something like that That's
2: quite a catalog. Do you still play them all? Do you remember them all?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's hard when you have 99 songs and you're going to play, you play a gig and you have, you know, a headlining gig, we might have an hour, but that's only, um, you know, 15 songs. So you've got to pick 15 out of 99 every time right. you play. We'll yeah. try to fill in a different one, but people kind of want to hear certain ones. Yeah. Um. So it just becomes impossible.
1: Yeah, that'd be tough.
0: To play to play them, and then you do forget. I mean, there's some on there I hadn't played since we recorded the album in 19 whatever. Some of them, <laughs> 2002. For example, I was just right. we are re-releasing our catalog on vinyl right now. There's a label that's doing that, a label in Europe that's doing it and uh, splitting it with us to offer for our U.S. fans. But I was going back and trying to put together the lyrics and stuff on these old albums. I'm like, wow. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, what was the next I line?
2: You know, uh, I don't even I... know.
0: I'm, like, I'm looking at the lyrics to try to proof them, and I'm like, I don't even know if that's what i actually <laughs> saying or not. I have to listen to it and look at the lyrics mm-hmm. because, yeah, you just they just fade away.
2: That's great. Well, you ahead, had told us, that... too, you're like a Johnny Cash meets Rob Zombie kind of kind of band there, or what? That was kind of your genre that you gave us, maybe, that, or explanation, that's so to I, speak?
0: That's kind of how I describe it, or I learned to describe it, because people say, well, what kind of music do you play? Well, Ghoul Town. There is no... Okay. Uh, there's no genre because it's sort of like a little dark western, spaghetti western, horror punk, yeah, a little bit of metal.
2: I like it. it. It's just oh, yeah.
0: very individual, but without a genre, I learned it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of a curse and a and a good thing in a way because people remember us, but also people want, you know, I listen to this kind of music and I listen to all the bands that are in this genre we don't belong to a genre so we're just we have a wild posse of people who are just mm-hmm. literally musical renegades that range from punks to metalheads to paranormal enthusiasts to mm-hmm. there'll be you know our shows at bigfoot hunters and dudes with mohawks i mean <laughs> you know, a lot of people wear the hats you know so
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's just, it's just a crazy thing but i i learned early to and I think I got this from some review or something and said, we're a mix between Johnny Cash and Rob Zombie because everybody knows those names. They they typically like them and will go, mm-hmm. ooh, a mashup of that. I'll have to check them out. <laughs> that works. So I, I hear the band members still struggling. To just, I'm like, dude, just say Johnny Cash and Rob Zombie. That's it. Just say that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good explanation, honestly, uh-huh. when people hear it. And listeners, well, be sure to we, check it out. Ghoul Town. Uh, check out yeah, When we Miles get band.
1: this, when we release this episode, you might get a bunch of new fans. Yeah,
2: hopefully. Yeah, yeah,
1: That'd be I, awesome.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I, okay. I appreciate that. And I think that, yeah, again, I mean, I, it's not nice your to- books and your music. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you would think, I mean, my cryptid books that would fit right into this, this uh, category, as well mm-hmm. as music. a lot of times have been turned onto the band through this. So I think that's been a a thing that I didn't expect or, or whatever. So I, I can kind of still do both where I, right. I enjoy doing the music, but I love cryptic stuff as well. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it kind of works together to, to pay the, to pay the bills so I can have blank walls.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right now.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, again, that was a uh, ghoul town is the band and you can check Lyle out at Lyle there you can see what books you've all you've written and all the documentaries in your bio and just everything about you and, and what we've talked some of the stuff we talked about tonight. Well, we really yeah. appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a pleasure yeah, and, and having you on. And, uh, and again, we really thank you for being here.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: yeah we appreciate it a lot. We'll Hopefully we'll up. get to see you
2: at another show. Yeah. One of these days.
0: Yeah, I hope so. enjoyed be fun. talking to you guys uh, in Michigan, and I'm sure we'll run across each other again.
2: Again, we thank you, man, and you take care. We'll hopefully be in touch with you. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Lyle. It was really awesome having Lyle on the show with us. Man. Yeah, it
1: was. I'm glad he uh, he could make the time. I know he was busy moving and stuff.
2: He was. He took the time for us. Uh, we got yeah. in touch a while back, and he finally got back with us, and we did the show, so it was really great talking to him. you guy's done a lot of stuff. His band is awesome. I mean he's on it man
1: yeah it's amazing that he has time to do anything his schedule is crazy
2: i know i mean that would be an awesome lifestyle to have though but it is work i'm sure i'm sure the man stays oh, busy. oh so.
1: well, yeah i'm sure i'm sure he's working his butt off yeah.
2: it's great having him on great talking to you again my friend thank you for doing oh this. yeah as
1: always man always fun
2: all right until next time
1: yep see ya